What's up guys, this is Taking the Field with Stevie Mac and on this episode I'm going to give you my five bold predictions for the second half of the PLL season. But before we get into that here in just a second, I want to say thank you once again to my guest from episode number 97, that's England Women National Lacrosse Team U23 member Emily Beasley. We had a really great episode, you guys should go back and check that out if you haven't already done so. We talked about her time at Detroit Mercy as she just graduated graduated here this past spring and her experience playing there. We also talked about her experience playing in the world championships with that U23 team that won gold medal for the U23 division. We also talked about her future playing with the England national team moving forward from this point. She talked about wanting to really focus on her training and conditioning so that she can be part of that senior team here in the future. So really great episode, had a lot of fun talking with her. And uh, also, in, in sticking with the theme of talking women's lacrosse here to start the episode, congratulations to the Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse League that will be getting going here this weekend as well. Year two of Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse here this summer. You can see that on the ESPN family of networks, including ESPN Plus. And I believe I've seen a number of games scheduled for ESPN2 as well. So definitely going to check that out here this weekend. But like I said, just to jump in to this episode, five bold predictions for the second half here in the PLL. Some of these may be a little more bold than others, I'll admit, but but I tried to definitely get creative with some of these, and this really stemmed from part of a conversation that I had with ep- in episode 96 with uh, guest Phil Rothermick, known as PLL Updates, when I asked him at the end of that episode to give me some second half storylines to watch out for here in the second half of the season in Premier Lacrosse League. So that's really where this topic sort of stemmed from was from that portion of our conversation. Again, along with that conversation with Emily in episode 97, go back and check out that interview that I did with Phil in episode 96. But my first bold prediction and probably my my boldest one of the five that I'm going to give here is that I don't think the Cannons will make the playoffs. I think when you look at their remaining schedule, they're one and four from the first half of the year. You look at their remaining schedule, they've got the Archers, Waterdogs, Redwoods, Chrome, and Whipsnakes to end the season. And my question is, where do you find three wins in there? Because when I talked with Phil in that episode back in episode 96, I mentioned when you look at those one in four teams, there's three one in four teams in the PLL currently heading into the second half of the season. I really feel like between those three, it's a race to whoever can get to four wins. Maybe I can see somebody sneaking into the postseason with three, depending on how score differential and and head-to-head matchups and those types of tiebreakers plays out. But I really feel like when you talk about those one and four teams, it's really a race of who can get to four wins. And I think when you look at what the Cannons have remaining on their schedule, how do you find three wins in there? I mean, the Archers are going to be a team that they're kind of a middle of the pack team right now. They're just on the outside of that championship series top four seeding. So, you know, they're going to try and make a move the second half of the season. The Waterdogs as well, kind of in the middle of the pack right now. They're going to try and make a make a move 
uh, here over the second half of the season. The Redwoods, another one of those one in four teams. They're going to be trying to push for one of those final playoff spots. So where they find three wins in there, I'm not totally sure. And I think that even if they do find their way to four wins this year, I don't see them making much of a run in the postseason, kind of similar to what we saw with them last year. They sort of backdoored their way into the postseason by beating the Chrome in the last week of the regular season. They played the Atlas in that first round and they were out in the first round. So again, I think even if they do somehow find their way, sort of backdooring their way into the playoffs, I don't see them really doing much once they get there. And I think on top of that, that puts them, if they even do get it, to four wins this year that puts them at seven and 12 overall in their first two years as a member of the PLL and zero first round picks in the first three years of their college draft. You talk about they trade away the picks uh, the first two years in 21 and 22, then they trade another one in 2023. So unless they make a move here the second half of the year, maybe trade some some players away, trade some pieces away, depending on how those first couple games in the second half go, or maybe they wait till the offseason to make some moves, that's likely three consecutive college drafts where they don't have a first-round pick, and you're talking about barely making it into the postseason. So you're being aggressive with some of these rosters moves that you're making, but you're not necessarily seeing it pan out on the field. And, and another reason that I think that I don't have as much faith in a team like the Cannons at one and four as I might with the Chaos or the Redwoods is that you look at what we talked about in the in one of the very first episodes that we did here this season in the PLL. I talked about, I want to believe that the Cannons are going to be a good team this year. I want to believe that they're going to be improved from a year ago, but there was two main things that really hurt them a year ago, and that was face-offs and scoring defense, and that's two things that are really hurting them again this year. I believe they're last in scoring defense, and I believe they're sub-40% on face-offs for the year. So again, the same two things that killed them a year ago are the things that are really holding them back again this year, and on top of that, you add in the fact that Lyles missed a few games as well, kind of similar to last year with with, with some injuries, so that obviously doesn't help either when your top player is out. But I think when you talk about this one with the with the cannons missing the playoffs and the fact that I think at best you're talking that seven and twelve overall record through two years. At what point then does Sean Quirk kind of go on the hot seat? I remember a couple weeks ago Coach Shrek mentioned at what point might a guy like Nat St. Laurent be on the hot seat for the start that the Redwoods had this year. I think at what point, similarly to that, at what point does a guy like Sean Quirk go on the hot seat for, for the start of the PLL tenure of the Cannons team that he's in charge of currently? And, and like I said earlier, at what point do they start trading away pieces in the second half if they fall to, let's say, one and six after losses to the Archers and the Water Dogs? Because I think at that point, once you hit six losses, the chances that you're going to make the postseason at that point are slim to none. My second one I've got is Trevor Baptiste wins MVP. Like I said at the start of this topic, some of these are a little more bold than others. I don't think this is one of the more hot take topics that I'm going to have here on this episode, but I've got Trevor Baptiste wins the MVP. He currently leads the league in face-off win percentage, ground balls, and points 
among faceoffs. He's gone at least 63% in every game this season, including two games of over 80%. And he's recorded at least one point in four of five games. And the one that he didn't record a point in, he still went 63% from the stripe with six ground balls. So still had a really great performance on faceoff overall. And I think you could argue that he's really the reason that they won their game against the Archers, where even though the offense didn't necessarily have the game of their lives, just the ability to to win faceoffs when they did score, or even when the Archers scored, to be able to go to the faceoff stripe, win that faceoff, and at the very least keep the ball away from that Archers offense, from the possibility of maybe going two for one, getting a goal, winning the faceoff, coming back and scoring. You know, when you win a one goal game like that, you kind of look at what he was able to do at the stripe going about 80% in that one and say, yeah, that's a major reason why they were able to hold on in that game. Now, the defense in Jack and Cannon played ridiculously well in that one as well. But I think you also, like I said, look at a guy like Baptiste and the performance that he put up and said, yeah, while the offense didn't necessarily have the greatest game, just being able to play keep away from that Archer's offense definitely helped them in the end. And I think you could also make the case that he's a major reason why they've won four games already to start this season going four and one is because of what he's been able to do at the stripe and also being able to contribute seven points offensively as well. And I think that if he's healthy in the second half, he probably could and probably should win unless the Atlas fall apart, I guess you could say in the second half and, and maybe you see a, a, a postseason collapse from them this year, because yes, I think for whatever reason, and this is something that I talked with Phil about in that episode 96 with a guy like Will Manny is that while it shouldn't have an impact on a award like the MVP, which is an individual award, I do think that more often than not, the idea of how the players team in in specific plays and what their record and things like that or where they are in the standings does tend to sort of sneak into that conversation. Like I said with Phil, a guy like Will Manny may not win MVP this year because you have guys like Trevor Baptiste or Jeff Teeth that are playing on teams that have seen more success to this point in the year and they're playing at a high level just like Will Manny. So I think that unless the Atlas have a second half collapse this second half of the year, you could see a guy like like Trevor Baptiste win MVP because like I said, even though it shouldn't have an impact on a award like MVP, I do think that more often than not, you see that discussion of the team success kind of sneak its way into that. And then sticking with Will Manny in this discussion, I don't think he'll finish the season as the points leader in the PLL, which he currently is through the first half of the year. This is my third prediction for the second half of the year. Uh, I think a guy like Jeff Teeter, Lyle Thompson, if he stays healthy the second half of the year, will put their teams on their backs, so to speak, and try to carry them to the postseason with differing storylines attached to their their respective clubs the atlas going for that number one overall seed and the cannons really just trying to do what they did last year and sort of backdoor their way into the postseason but i think that both those guys respectively will sort of put their teams on their backs and try to carry them into postseason play and i don't think that the pace that a guy like will manny is on is is really sustainable for an entire season he's currently on pace for 44 points and 
only Matt Rambo in 2019 has gotten over 40 points in a season. Although if you look to the 2020 championship series, he was on pace for, I believe, around 40 points that season, albeit in a shorter schedule. And you you, you look to last season, too, in 2021, a guy like Grant Amon led the league with 35 points that year. So it's very rare to see a guy put up that kind of point production and to do it over the course of an entire season. Although, like I said, you could argue Rambo did it for about a season and a half, essentially, in 2019 and 2020. But I just don't see it being sustainable for an entire year for a guy like Will Manny, especially given what he has around him in that offense. You talk about Marcus Holman, Tom Schreiber. You talk about getting Connor Fields back for the second half of the year. Even some of the rookies like Connor D. Simone, uh, are, are really starting to pick up play and, and produce offensively. So I think when you look at it, and I think you can make the case too for Jeff T kind of being in that similar situation with that Atlas family style of lacrosse, but I just think overall it's not necessarily sustainable for Will Manny to keep up this level of play. And, and again, these are bold predictions, so it's very, very possible that I could be proven wrong, and I'm I'm the kind of person that I don't mind being proven wrong on things like this. And, and then you also look at the remaining schedule, I think, too, that plays a factor in in this type of a discussion as well as far as who they're going to be matched up against like what defenses they'll be matched up against the second half of this season they've got the cannons we've already talked about what they are defensively on this episode they've got the atlas pretty solid team defensively i believe they're fourth in scoring defense through the first half of the season the whip snakes currently first in scoring defense then the chaos and water dogs i think defensively will be much better the second half of the season. So that's that's a pretty tough schedule of defenses that you're going to be facing the second half of the season for him to be able to keep up that level of play the rest of the way. Uh, number four, I've got the Atlas will beat the Whipsnakes for the title. Now, this may be somewhat of my Atlas fandom coming out, but I think when you really look at the first half of the season, this was something that I've said on PLL Discord. I'm pretty sure I've said it before here on the podcast earlier this season. I think that the championship game comes down to the Atlas, Chrome, and Whipsnakes. It's some combination of that three that we're going to see in the championship game. And I've, I've said for weeks, if not months now, that... It's really those three, the the Whipsnakes, Atlas, and Chrome, and sort of everyone else in the league just trying to chase after them and, and, and play catch up with them in the standings because I think really they've set themselves apart from the rest of the league. I do think the Archers are kind of in that middle ground where they could go either way. And I think the Water Dogs, the second half of the year will be the same. They're kind of a team that they could go either way here. They could be in that championship discussion or they could sort of fall off. But I think this one is more so where they're just so, the Whipsnakes and the Atlas are so, ridiculously talented up and down the field and what they have on their roster. But I think the key here for the Atlas in order to pull this one off, to beat the Whip Snakes for the title, the key here for them is three things. Number one, Baptiste has to stay healthy, and that's what we talked about earlier with the Baptiste winning MVP discussion. He has to stay healthy. That's a major one. Second is that Jack and Cannon has to continue his hot start. He's having one of his best 
at least starts to a season in his PLL career so far. So he has to continue that level of play. And I would argue the defense has to continue their level of play in front of him to support him as well. Uh, And then the offensive middies, I think, for them have to have a breakout second half of the season where you look at the starting attack of Law, Teat, and Chris Gray are combined shooting 40% for the first half of the year where you look at the middies like Costabile, uh, Baccaro and Romar Dennis are combined 16%. And you even look at Danny Logan is second on the team among Atlas midfielders in points with seven behind Costabile, who has eight. So again, I think it comes down to Baptiste staying healthy, can Cannon staying consistent, and the offensive middies really picking up their, their production in the second half of the year. And then my last one, number five on my five bold predictions for the second half of the PLL season is the Water Dogs will bump someone from the championship series. Again, those top four teams in the PLL standings will play in the championship series in early 2023. It'll be a sixes style format. So I think the Water Dogs currently sitting fifth in the standings will actually be able to pull it off and bump someone from the championship series standings. Uh, Like I said, they're currently fifth. Uh, And they're only one game, and I think some scoring differential help uh, from making things interesting with the Archers. The Archers are currently 3-2 with a plus 15 goal differential, while the Water Dogs are 2-3 with a zero goal differential. Uh, So like I said, they're one win and some, some score differential help away from making that happen. But again, five games is a lot that can happen. Anything can happen in these next five games where a team like the Water Dogs could bump the Archers for that fourth spot. Or you could even see a team like the Chaos, let's say, even make a move the second half of the year and potentially bump a team like the Archers from the championship series. And I think that when you look at their remaining schedule, you look at the Water Dogs' remaining schedule, they have the Chrome Cannons, Atlas Redwoods, and Archers in there. I think with two wins already, I think if you can get three wins out of there somewhere, maybe like the Cannons, the Redwoods, uh, to name two, and you go two and two into that Archers game, that meeting on August 20th, with the Archers in the last weekend of the regular season, I think could decide the championship series fourth entry into that four-team format, barring whatever happens in the playoffs. So I think that'll be really interesting to watch for over these next couple of weeks. But those are my five bold predictions for the second half. Again, that that topic really stemming from that conversation I had with Phil Rothermick back on episode 96, getting his thoughts on the second half of the season but that'll do it for this episode of taking the field with cv mac make sure to like comment and share on this post you can also find the podcast anywhere you get your podcast including google apple spotify iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and stitcher just to name a few just search taking the field with stevie mac but that'll do it for me i'll talk to you guys later